0: Welcome to Friday's Child The Podcast, formerly known as Life School ME. When I started Life School back in June 2019, my vision for where I wanted to take the podcast and how it would grow was not 100% clear. I knew I wanted to interview inspiring women and share their stories, but there was no grand plan. And that's okay. I'm a firm believer in starting before you're ready. But after falling pregnant with my beautiful daughter Mabia and deciding to focus on the world of bumps and babies for series two, I discovered a new passion for all things related to pregnancy and birth. The things I learnt about the female body and birth during my pregnancy journey have changed me forever and ignited a newfound passion and love for this subject matter. So Life School has been reborn as Friday's child and during this series I will be talking to first-time mums, childbirth educators and industry experts on all things motherhood. Whether you're newly pregnant, a first-time mum, or maybe you just want to find out more about the world of babies and motherhood, I hope you enjoy listening to my wonderful guests and that hopefully you can take away some helpful information and insights. Now let's get on with the show. For episode one of this new series, I am thrilled to welcome to the podcast gorgeous first-time mum and certified birth and postnatal doula, Ellis, also known as Your Body, Your Birth on Instagram. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Ellis, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy we're finally doing this.
1: Me too. Feels a little bit strange via Zoom. Obviously, very weird circumstances, but amazing with technology that we can have this
0: conversation. Exactly. I wish we were together in person, but this is better than nothing. And thank you for giving me your time in the evening, because I know you are a new mom like myself, and this is the only time we really get to relax and Oh, exactly. a show so thank you thank for, you for letting you know that time, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So, I want to start by talking about your birth. Um, yes. to beautiful baby Frida. So, you I noticed did the Jasmine Collin hypnobirthing course, like, oh. um, and I'm a huge advocate for hypnobirthing. So, can you tell me a little bit about the experience and how that impacted on your birth?
1: Absolutely. So to be honest, at first, when I signed up, I was, I had really, really good expectations. I can't say that my husband did. I think he thought it was going to be very hippie-like. Also, the fact that it was going to be four consecutive weeks, four hours, he felt it was quite intense. But... Now coming away from it, I think my husband would say it was the best thing that we ever did. Um, and my key takeaway for both him and I was it just it just left me filled with so much confidence that he was informed, mm-hmm. not just myself, but to me, it really mattered that he was informed so that you know, at any point throughout the birth or when I was in labor, I wasn't able to kind of, you know, get across what I wanted I knew and I was very confident that he you know he was informed to make a decision on my behalf um and I think in in regards to the breathing and visualization as well that was something else that was really important to me and something that I used from the moment that we went into the birthing suite Um, because as we all know, births never, well, yeah, I would say nine times out of 10 do not go to plan. Um, and mine did not go to plan. I of course did not want to be induced. I wanted this lovely drug-free water bath. Um, I was induced and I didn't get the water bath. Were you Um, induced because you were overdue? Correct. Yeah. I was 10 days. So my obstetrician, lovely Dr. Amber allowed me to go over 10 days and I was induced. But actually when I went to the hospital, I was actually already in natural labor. So this was amazing. So I just skipped the pessary. I had my waters broke. And then in the morning I was put directly onto oxytocin. I don't,
0: were you induced at all? I wasn't. I actually went into labor on my due date. And I had an appointment with my doctor the next day to talk about options because she really didn't want to let me go over even by a week. Um, So yeah, I I was very lucky that literally midnight of the night before my due date, things happened. So. You
1: do know that you're one of like the tiny, tiny... Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Amazing. Oh, lovely that you experienced that all naturally. Um so You're oxytocin. At the time, I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, probably not. But at least you know you didn't have to go hardcore on a drip or because yeah. it really did go from zero to a hundred in the space of twenty minutes. And that's where the hypnobirthing really came into play, because my My surges as I think you and I probably call them instead of contractions in the hypnobirthing um, course, they were coming back to back every one minute. So it really was quite difficult to catch my breath. But the hypnobirthing, I really just think it provides you so many tools, not only the information that I spoke about, but also those really, really good um, breathing techniques. Because, you know, when a really strong surge is coming on, it, it really can just kind of wipe your breath away yeah it and i would say the final thing about the hypnobirthing course was the support group that I got from it so I'm still really friendly with two of the ladies that were in the group and obviously it's it's not really the same at this moment in time just because it's all digital um and via zoom at the moment but I think this was such a lovely lovely takeaway that I didn't expect to have from the course.
0: And did your husband get into it after you know the sort of first second session did he start to see okay this is actually really worth it?
1: He did. Um, I think he originally thought it was going to be some kind of hippie something or other. Um, And he quite quickly realized, you know, it's quite a lot of it was off of scientific fact and the way Jasmine kind of uh, structures the course. um, He really enjoyed. Um, And it was quite hands on. You know, as I said, it's four hours for four consecutive weeks. That could be quite... um, quite a lot to take on but the nights passed so quickly and he really got into it and I think he really felt empowered as my birth partner because of having attended this course.
0: Yeah and I think because how old is Frida now? Is she eight months? Yes. So you, was it COVID times around then or were you just before? No.
1: just before and um, I arrived home from the hospital And three days later we were in lockdown.
0: Okay, so you just before everything kind of went a bit crazy. Yes.
1: So when did you do the course?
0: We did the course so she was born in July. We started the course in June, end of May. Oh, so you were COVID time. We did it via Zoom, which actually worked really well because we could do it just from the comfort of our own home. But I think that now it's more important than ever because in the UK I think in some hospitals you still can't have you know a doula or a birthing Mm -hmm. partner so it's more important than ever for your husband to be involved or your partner to be involved Mm -hmm. and know what things can arise because there's things I learnt on the course that I didn't know all the different types of drugs I just saw epidural or no epidural I didn't know there were sort of other options so when they're offering offering you things in the hospital you have no idea unless you sort of Had a little bit of education, you just don't know, do you?
1: Absolutely. I always say, I think information is power and ignorance is bliss because, you know, a lot of things can take place, as you well know, um, in a birthing suite. And if you're not informed, all sorts can go on, and you are very ignorant to what could be going on what's right what's wrong so i really do that really do feel that information is power with regards to um the whole labor and birth experience
0: absolutely and ellis when did you decide to take your career on a slightly different path um and become a trained and certified birth and postnatal doula because i was reading your bio and you have a similar background to me sort of comms, marketing, PR. Um, So when did you sort of change your career direction?
1: I think after 10 years of being in that PR and comms world, um, I started to really question where I was getting my pleasure from um, work-wise. And to be honest with you, if I could turn back time, if I had this power... I would most definitely have trained as a midwife and I wouldn't have gone down the comms route ever. Um, Because since I was very, very little girl, I've always been incredibly drawn and very interested in both the pregnancy journey, the birth itself, and children and babies unbesotted. Um, I think actually my parents, when I was younger, were very worried that I would have a child very young for this very reason, because I've just been fascinated Um, so I think, yeah, once I started questioning after being in the PR and comms world for this amount of time, I thought, right, what can I do? It's not right in this moment in my life to go back to university. So what can I do to kind of do that type of role in a different way? So of course the doula role came up. Um, so I flew back to the UK and did my doula certification there. And the more I started looking into it, the more I fell in love with the role of a doula, not only on a global level, but more here in the UAE than ever, just because the majority of the people living here are expats. So, of course, the majority of people don't have their families around them. And, you know, the pregnancy journey, most definitely the birth experience is when you would hope that you would have the support of your family around. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I made this leap. Um and again, postpartum wise, if you're an expat, you might not have family, they may fly over. But aside from that, for me, you're you're from the UK as well. I I do think that we don't have as much support here as we do back home. Specifically, when it comes to health visitors coming around every few days to check, um, midwives coming around. So, I think just having that person to check in with you um, is really, really important, both for the care of the baby, but also for you as the mom.
0: So true. That was one of the things I was most sort of surprised at. I felt so prepared for the birth, but mm. it was once I got home and my milk came in and the tears came in yeah. and millions of questions came in about my baby, I was a bit like, oh, okay. I didn't really prepare for that bit and there wasn't anyone I could really go to or you know, my family wasn't here. And that's almost way harder than the birth, I think, because no, you literally just have a gazillion questions and your hormones are all over the place. And you really need some care, like you really need someone to kind of be there, um, you know, any any day or night to just, you know, support. Absolutely. You
1: and as you say, your hormones, goodness me, I mean, you have so many more different types of hormones when you're growing uh, another human. And after that, your body's releasing them all. And so you're basically like a little cauldron and concoction of these hormones. They've got to release somehow. And it really does take its toll on you. But, you know, you're sleep deprived, baby's feeding all the time. There's so many things going around in your head. So the role of the doula, it's just something that really, really has a huge place in my heart because I think it's such a powerful moment in a woman's life um, to give birth and become a mother and to be part of that is really, really special for me.
0: And so for people that might not be aware, can you explain exactly what a doula is?
1: Yes, so it's a trained professional who provides physical, emotional, and informational support to a mother before, during, and shortly after the birth. Um, basically to help her achieve the healthiest and most satisfying experience possible. So as I briefly mentioned before, we really do know well that as much as we plan and have our birth preferences and birth wishes, we don't know until we're in that moment how the birth will will take place. So it's just understanding what they want um, and helping them achieve a positive birth experience, even if, um you know they do end up having to have a cesarean for medical reason for example so we're not um a medical professional we do not take the role of a medical professional we're there to support them and we do not give medical advice um we do however share resources that help that can help couples feel more informed themselves and therefore can have a really big impact on decisions that they make and did you I didn't. I would like to say that I did. And his name is Stuart Harwood, which is my husband. Um, But I didn't. Um, The reason being is that I really felt like it was a very special moment between Stu and I. And because of my background as a doula, I can't tell you how much confidence I had. And I was very at ease going into birth, so many people would ask me, you know, or oh, do you think because what we've seen, you might be a little bit more apprehensive? You know, sometimes you know too much. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I was like, not at all. If anything, I'm more at ease. So I didn't feel that it was necessary for me to have a doula. Um, so I had my husband and I also had my mom come in she basically just sat there and I knew that she was there. She didn't really do too much. Yeah. But um, I think I trained my husband as a very good doula beforehand.
0: It's so funny you say that because I, I wasn't allowed a doula because of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. And so but because we'd done Jasmine's course, I did Gosh. feel like my husband kind of became, you know, an honorary doula for the day because he was my birthing partner and because he'd done all of this training and he knew exactly what i was trying to go for i felt like i had a doula so it was quite it was wow. quite nice in a way um
1: but that shows how amazing jasmine's courses
0: oh yeah i mean it's yeah it's uh, uh, personally for me i think everyone should do a hypnobirthing course Um, mm. and great digital courses out there that are a bit more affordable um and i think a lot of people and this actually leads me on to my next question because a lot of people said to me friends of mine who had ended up having an emergency c-section the first time with their first child or can you tell me a bit more about this hypnobirthing like do you think it'd be worth me doing it even though I'm probably going to end up having a c-section again and I and I would just say well look yes because it's not about natural birth it's about education in your mindset so even if you're going for an elected C-section, I think it's worth doing. So what does a positive Absolutely. birth mean to you and look like to you? Because I feel like this term gets banded around a lot and people just assume a positive birth equals a natural birth.
1: You're so right. And I think that's something that I really try to educate people on, that it, it doesn't necessarily mean natural at all. It could 100% be elective caesarean. And be positive for someone. Each and every person's perception of positive is very, very different. But for me personally, um, it was that I was respected, and that I was given the emotional and medical support that I needed. You know, my wishes were listened to, and I was given the time to bring Frida into the world in in my own time and in the most gentle way that I possibly could. Um. As I said you know my birth didn't go exactly to plan um, but it was a really really positive birth experience for me um, you know I didn't end up having any drugs to aid with pain relief and things and the midwife I had really respected my wishes and gave me so much time there was no rushing mm. and again with my obstetrician she was very aware of what I wanted to achieve, and she wholeheartedly supported that and I think that's really important when choosing an obstetrician, that you're very open with how you would like to yes. uh, you, know, you, you see your birth going and what you hope to achieve, and you really you really feel confident in them that they are supporting that. I don't know how you felt.
0: Well, it's one of the things that we learned about quite early on in the course about making sure that your doctor is aware of your preferences and how to sort of go go around that conversation. Because I think when you're in front of a doctor, there's this sort of like power thing, and and you can yeah. sometimes feel like you you can't really speak up because they're the doctor and you just go along with whatever they say. Because obviously here, compared to the UK where we're medically led rather than you know midwife led, you have your OBGYN you don't have a midwife throughout the whole process I I knew I really liked my doctor but when it came to that conversation uh, because of the course I went through my preferences with her I already felt like we had a good relationship because I'd had all my um, checkups with her but I also let her know that if this takes a turn I do trust you I don't want you coming in here like these are my preferences and blah, 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 blah. you know, if everything is going well, this is what I'd like to to do. But if at any point my baby's in danger or I feel like I I can't do this, I will trust you. And I think we had that, yeah, that respect and understanding, but I was very prepared to go to a different doctor if I at any point felt uncomfortable. And I there were people on the course actually my course that having had that conversation quickly changed doctors because they were getting responses that just made them feel really uncomfortable. So, and and things like you know if your doctor's saying to you, well, of course you're going to have an epidural, you know that might knock your confidence or that might not be your preference. So, if someone, I think it's really important if you're feeling uncomfortable, then change. And at the end of the day, well, the business here, so you don't need to feel guilty about it. You're paying a lot of money for this. So, exactly.
1: yeah. We did change. We changed at um, 26 weeks. Is so, quite hard. late. Yeah. But for this very reason that you speak of, when going through preferences and things, there was something that I wasn't comfortable with. And, you know, what we were lucky enough to then find our obstetrician. And as you say, it's a relationship. Mm. It really is a relationship that you have with. Um, your obstetrician and of this big big momentous moment so you've got to feel comfortable
0: yeah you do and I think a lot of people do feel a little bit sort of shy to say um, and I did to a to a degree I did think that she's and I I remember saying to her I bet you get women coming in here all the time saying listen I want it all natural don't offer me the epidural, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, cut to the actual birth and they're screaming, like, give me the drugs!" <laughs> you know, I said, look, I'm just telling you now, these are my, they're called preferences for a reason. It's not a plan. Like I am ready to not go to plan. Um, and because we ha- we built up that relationship, I, I did feel really comfortable with her. And as it turns out, you know, they do tend to only come at the end here. So oh, yeah. it's not like they're sort of with you throughout your whole labor um so you do tend to have the midwives there and in, uh, in my experience I gave birth at Alzara and I had two different midwives and they were just they were incredible um so I think that not that you can meet the midwives before but you know maybe do a little bit of research ask around get some you know recommendations of hospitals because yeah. it's not going to be your doctor there throughout the whole labor, unless you had a you know a complicated pregnancy
1: yeah, very, very different to other places in the world, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that was something I was quite surprised to learn, that they do, they do just sort of come at the end. Um, and so, Ellis, what would be your biggest piece of advice for any first-time mummies listening right now?
1: That's very troublesome to uh, put it down to one
0: um your, I think just, as, new pieces of advice, of advice. Okay,
1: that's easier for me. Okay, I think education for both yourself and your husband is crucial. Um I think obviously, as we've just spoken, making sure that your obstetrician is the right fit and will support you wherever possible until something takes a turn medically. Um and one thing that really is very close to my heart is reading positive birth stories. Um, And then also on the opposing hand to that, politely asking anyone who feels that they can share or overshare negative experiences, maybe too freely to you, um, to politely just say, listen, um, I would prefer if um, we don't speak about this any further. Um, Because something I found is that not so much, I don't want to call it a negative experience, but maybe an experience that didn't go to the person's plan. Um, these these um, experiences are, they're easier to talk about for some people and therefore you, you hear them a lot more. And as an expectant mother, that's really quite scary um, and I feel you don't hear the positive enough so for me Ina Mae Gaskin she is basically a god to me um, I read her book um, can't actually I think it's preparing for childbirth it's full of positive uh, birth stories so that would be one of my key things and then finally keep moving move your body until the last day if you can because i really think that that can only benefit you in the actual birth and also the the rehabilitation process after you've given birth regardless of whether it's a natural birth cesarean whatever i think moving your body will it it just the advantage is 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 huge yeah
0: it's funny what you say that the the sort of more difficult experiences are easier to talk about because there is a culture around birth and I had a very positive experience and I find it difficult to talk about because I don't want anyone to feel in any way that I think I'm better than anyone else or that you know oh well it was easy for her so I end up just staying quite quiet on the topic and then people that have had a really traumatic experience find it a lot easier to talk about, so then there, there is this culture of women are just scared because all they hear about are the bad stories. Um, yeah. because you know, and that is changing. I'm seeing it change, and I I like you only watch positive um, birth stories. I also um, listened to Ina May's book. I read about as many positive births as I could on the positive birth company's instagram account i literally flooded my brain with positive and i didn't yeah. want to hear anything else i didn't want to hear about you know you see on youtube there's videos like i almost died in labor i was like nope not watching that one <laughs> <laughs> you know i i'm educated enough at what i know that the routes this can take but i don't need any negativity um so i think that's a really good good tip for mum.
1: such a shame. Like you've just said, you know, you had a really positive birth experience. That's lovely. And I am so incredibly happy for you. And I really hope that, you know, in conversation that somebody who you were speaking to would be happy for you. But as you say, do you know what? Things are changing. And fingers crossed, people like you and I who have been very, very fortunate to have positive experiences will feel more comfortable mm. in due course in sharing that with others.
0: But it links back to the education because I had a positive experience, but it wasn't pain-free, you know. It wasn't without its, its um, you know, roller coaster of a ride that, that labour mm-hmm. is. But because, because of how I went into it like you, to me it was a very positive experience. And I think that that's, that is the key, isn't it? It's what, what does positive look like and mean to you? Because it's different, it's different for everyone.
1: Very, very personal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the most personal thing, isn't it? It's, you don't get much more personal than giving birth.
1: Absolutely not. I mean, I, have, I could name 10 friends of mine who have all elected to have a planned caesarean and that is the most positive birth experience that they can think of for themselves and absolutely amazing, good for you. Yeah. That's not for me and that might not be for you or it could be, you know, it's, it really is case by
0: case. Exactly, it's such a personal thing. And I'm the same, I've had friends that have elected for a C-section because that's what they wanted and they had a beautiful experience. Um, and it's, yeah, it's down to, to what's gonna be best for you and your baby. Yeah. Um okay, we're gonna do a little quick fire round now. Okay. okay, so we've we've kind of gone over this, um, but let's do one piece of advice for first-time mummies in terms of the postpartum period. So that, okay. that advice is very much um sort of prenatal.
1: So it kind of links in, but what I would say is, and what I wish I had done is not spent all my time and effort on trying to educate myself on everything, pregnancy and birth. And I'd spent a little bit more time on the fourth trimester, which is obviously the first 12 weeks after baby comes, because I think that whole period is such a whirlwind. I mean, there's so many things going on um every day is different you're trying to understand your baby's cues and I really wish that I'd yes spent half the time that I did on the birth preparation uh, I wish I'd just spent a lot more time on the fourth trimester
0: I'm the same (laughs) I got (laughs) home and I was like okay what now
1: (laughs) exactly and I think everyone's like that
0: yeah um what are your top three essential items for a first time
1: So is this an item or not but I think it is essential to have your freezer stocked with your favorite meals um, and you know make sure they are of some nutritional value because I think you're so busy in those early days and if you've chosen to breastfeed you really are stuck to the couch so it's easy for your husband to go in defrost something whack it in the oven and you know you're eating well and um, Second one would be for baby specific zip up sleep suits. They are wriggly little creatures, and when you're doing nappy changes and things in the middle of the night, I for one could never get the poppers yeah. to go with the correct ones. So zip up sleep suits and Pure Baby have beautiful ones. And my final thing would be one for ourselves as the mama quality lounge wear because I feel like. I spent an awful lot of time lounging around the house at home, obviously more than I probably would have been if I'd given birth in a different time because of COVID. But at least you feel nice in yourself. You don't feel like so much of a slob. And I think that really is important for you to feel good about yourself. Um, And yeah, putting on some quality, nice loungewear makes all the difference.
0: I did that just before she was born. I went and got myself some new PJs, some new sweats. Yeah. I tried to have a shower every morning while she napped, and it just made me feel yeah, I'm putting sweats on, but like you say, they're nice sweats. Yeah. Clean makes a bit of a difference. And it really does. Once you shower, you feel like a new woman and you get another little lease of life, don't you? That's and you're putting on another day.
1: Absolutely.
0: What's the one item you thought you would use a lot, but actually didn't end up using?
1: So this for us would be the bassinet, um, the bassinet part of the pram. Now, two reasons. One, again, because we were in lockdown, we barely left the house. So by the time we did, Frida absolutely hated it. So that was basically a whole waste of money. We've, We've never really used it. But I think that's down to circumstances, to be honest. Yeah. so sadly they, they, that was the case
0: for us don't last very long in a bassinet do they?
1: No. not at all they
0: probably got over the first sort of three, three to four months and then they're too big for them
1: oh gosh and that's that's uh, pushing it yeah. because it was just like no way um, from very early on did not want to be laying on her back I know that's very baby specific but yeah for us it was a bit of a waste of time but anyway fingers crossed baby too
0: What's one thing nobody warned you about before becoming a mum?
1: Cluster feeding. Oh, my goodness. I I even went to a breastfeeding workshop. I swear it wasn't even mentioned then. The intensity of cluster feeding. Yeah, for sure. I was not warned of this. Were you?
0: No, and I remember... I didn't end up doing a breastfeeding workshop. I ran out of time. And to be honest, the one I wanted to do, it was like six hours long. And at the end of my pregnancy, I was just like, no. no, (laughs) I've just done all the hypnobirthing. I'm at capacity. And so once I got home and I started feeding, I was just like, first of all, when my milk came in, that was more painful than giving birth. Um, I agree. And then second of all, she's on me, but I'm like, is this right? Is she getting enough? Because she feed. And then like 10 minutes later, she wants to feed again. And I'd be like, is this normal? I'm taking videos at four in the morning of my baby feeding whilst my husband's snoring, sending it to friends. Like, does this look normal? Googling. I mean, yeah, it's a whole other world. And the cluster feeding, you literally, you can't move. I mean, you're just a milk machine and it's so intense. And I think that for me, those were the hardest days in the early days because you are so exhausted. I mean, I've never known exhaustion like it. I, I didn't know you could be that exhausted. Um, yeah. Did you
1: not find that you're... You, you just somehow... I don't know where you find that last bit of strength from. It must simply be adrenaline.
0: I think it's adrenaline and it's also... You're just so in love with this little human that you just... Because I, I, I can remember I was in so much pain and I'd be crying whilst feeding her. But at the same time, I'm like so elated and happy. Like it, it's, such, it's such a mix of things. But you're right, you just somehow. And now I look back on it and I think, how did I do that? How did I like sleep for an hour here? And like, how? Mm. You know, but you just do. You just do. You just do. You just somehow, yeah, you you manage. Um, What's your favorite thing about being a mum?
1: Oh, um, probably just the constant changes. Both, this is to Frida, sorry. Both physically and developmentally, I just feel like never are two days the same. She's always changing. She's always doing new things. And that I've got a best friend and a sidekick for life. Yeah. That's how I feel. She's literally just my mini me. She's always with me. And that for me is everything. I love that.
0: You're so right. No two days are the same, which is why you have to celebrate the really good days where they sleep well, they're happy, they're napping, because the next day, you know, they could be developing and they're grisly and they're not taking their naps and they won't go down because, yeah, no two days are the same it's yeah and it's amazing to see I swear you know one day she'll be in a baby grow and the next day I go to put on put it back on and it doesn't fit her and I'm like you're growing in front of my eyes you have grown overnight (laughs) quite little and lastly what does motherhood mean to you in three words
1: the biggest one for me would be growth as a person Um, innate love and bond that I have with her and just the constant learnings.
0: Yeah. Oh, Ellis, thank you so much for doing this. Um,
1: It's been amazing to chat.
0: Thank you. You have mentioned a few brands and a few um, things here and there, like the Ina May Gaskin books. I'll link those in the show notes. And I know you have a podcast launching in Jan, I think it is, isn't it? So I'm hoping to get this out November December. Um, so if you don't have anything for me then, and I can't link it in the show notes, I'll just make sure I put it um, on our Facebook page and Instagram page so people know where to find you because it's going to be, I'm sure, similar conversations with moms. So anyone that's interested in this, I know they'll love your podcast as well.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that,
0: and I'm really excited to listen to it as well. Uh, honestly, I if I'm not with my baby. I'm learning about babies and motherhood.
1: i am absorbed in everything I think now. I just, it is, it takes over your world. And I, for me, I love that. I know some people, you know, they have different mindset. They want um, to be a little bit more themselves. And I think that's really, really important still. Like I do love to have an hour or so of being solely Ellis. But this, as I mentioned to you earlier, like this is what... I was made to be from a young age and it's, I just feel so privileged that I've been able to become a mom.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, it's changed me forever. I'm obsessed and it's not for everyone. You know, some people have their baby and they go back to their life and, you know, yeah. and they have their child, but for me, I'm just like, this has changed me as a person. And I am, yeah, I am obsessed. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> so thank you so so much um thank you anything you need from me just let me know thank you thank you so much once again to the beautiful ellis for her time you can find links to ellis's instagram and website in the show notes below you can also find links below to our social media accounts including the fridays child facebook community this is a group i have created in the hope to share positive birth stories along with parenting life hacks tips and tricks, general advice and much more. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child the Podcast to help us reach more wonderful mummers. Until next time, thank you for listening.